Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. In a moment, I'm going to invite Paul to come up to speak to us. It's great to have him here and his wife, Vicky, and also Jerome from uh, Victory Outreach in Solford. They're part of a network of churches across Europe. And Paul is a man who's had his life radically changed by the power, the love, the kindness, and mercy of Jesus. And he's all about helping other people to enter into the fullness of new life in Jesus. And I first met him about five years ago, five or six years ago, and I shared a room with him at a leader's retreat. And I think he was enjoying it, but he kept me up late telling me stories about his life before Jesus. I think he was winding me up a little bit, but um, I didn't sleep very well that night. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding, but he'll tell you a little bit about that. And actually, just before Christmas, Paul uh, released this book, Leading Broken People. And I read it over Christmas, and I absolutely loved it. And it's a, you know, we've already been singing about it today, but one of the great themes of this book is that you know, following Jesus is not just about changing some behaviours. It's not reformation, but it's a deep transformation as we enter into a completely new life in him that he's won for us. And if you're watching today, and you haven't said yes to that or experienced a new life available for you in Jesus through his death and resurrection, then you will have that opportunity later on. But we'll get to that. But first of all, let's give Paul a massive, massive welcome. Come up, mate. Wow. What a welcome. Thank you. Um, it was great. We, we spent that time at that retreat. And uh, Tim actually kept me up um, with his snoring and... Uh, or was it the other way around? I'm not sure, but we had a great time. He's a great guy. I want to thank everyone um, here at Ivy, um, Pastor Anthony, his amazing wife Zoe. Um, thank you for having us here. It's uh, such a privilege to be able to come and share with you guys. And uh, it's great to be able to, to be with you in your homes. Um, and I know that sounds weird, uh, but over this last year, it's kind of become a little bit more normal, hasn't it, that we, we come and we actually come into your homes um, with our church services. And, and I have to say, some of you have really, really lovely homes um, because we can see you. We have the technology to do that now. Um, no, we don't. We, we actually don't. But uh, I'm sure some of you started tidying your pajamas um, just to look a little bit more presentable. But it's tremendous to be here. Thanks to all the team here at Ivy. Uh, we bring you greetings. My wife's here, Vicky. Um, we've got a church, beautiful church in Salford um, called Victory Outreach Manchester and uh, we bring you greetings from all of them and just to let you know that you know lots of us churches in this city are, are really together, you know we have friendship, there's relationship that we have that enables us I believe to see this city Manchester become a hub of revival. I believe that God is going to move in this city. How many of you believe that? If you believe it, just, you know, you're in your house. You can do what you like. Shout, jump, scream, do whatever you want. But I really believe that God wants to do something in this city that's going to impact this nation and this entire generation for the glory of God. And we're working together tirelessly. Um, we all do our part. We all do our different things. Um, we're different. We have different distinctives, different flavours, but we're all built the same. We want to see God move. Um, I'm really excited about being able to speak to you today. And I want to speak about something that I started speaking about last March when this pandemic hit, this crazy thing that took place, you know, that we, we, we really didn't see coming, if, if, if we're honest. Um, but then in March, 
all of a sudden we know we were locked down. Lockdown one, we're in three now. Hopefully there'll be no more, this is it. But I started to speak about something that the, the Lord was placing upon my heart. And it was about a reset. We've heard a lot of it. There's different types of conversations about reset. You've got the secular world, the financial world, the business world, all talking about reset. But what does it mean for us as Christians? And I want to look at resetting the future. So would you pray with me just for a moment? And then I want to get straight into this. And I, I really believe that God wants to speak to our hearts today. So Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, Lord, your word is always anointed. But anoint me, I pray, to be able to speak into people's lives, Lord, concepts and, and ideas that come from your word, that come from your heart, that are applicable today. My God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would release an anointing into every house. Lord, that even though people are not gathered in one place, we are gathered in your spirit. And that, Lord, make every house and every home and every one of your people shine and glow with light today. Lord, reach in and touch us right where we're at. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to, I if you've got your Bible or an iPhone or an iPad or whatever it is you've got right now, smartphone, even if you've got a stupid phone, um, you can utilize that. I want to turn to a scripture in the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament type of story that I want to look at, but it has New Testament applications, I believe, for where we're at. First Chronicles, First Chronicles, um, chapter 12. One verse we're going to read, then we're going to, we're going to dive into it. And it says this in verse 32, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives and then it says this, all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. All these men understood the signs of the times. The signs of the times are around us right now, but do we know what time it is? Do you, Ivy, know what time it is right now? Because I believe that all of us in churches now we have to understand what time it is for our churches so that we know what it is that we need to do in these times. I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be amazing if after all of this mad pandemic season that we've been in, wouldn't it be amazing if people would be drawn to Christ like never before in this coming season? We've seen little upswings and upsurges and upticks in, in people, you know, uh, looking at thing, the things of God over this pandemic. At first, there was great fear. There was, you know, people didn't understand, didn't know what was going on. People started to Google scriptures and some people, you know, they were getting online and looking at church services. Then there was a, down, a downswing. So people just started getting into it. It started becoming familiar. People started getting tired. But what's going to take place from now? You know, there are people that say from studies that they've done that 20% of people that used to go to church before the pandemic are not going to come back. 20%, one-fifth of our congregations. I, but but that, 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 that's as may be. But I believe that, you know, we're going to see an upsurge. I believe that there is an opportunity for us, if we get things right, to see more and more people coming into the kingdom of God. 
There is that battle of the cultures that's taking place right now. But how many of you know, we, we know that in the end, God wins. But it's about getting that out there. It's about getting that truth out there. So what does that mean for our churches? What does that mean for us? Are we in the right shape, both individually and corporately, for the new thing that we've heard about that God is doing? Some of you know, we've heard it before, right? Your pastor, Pastor Anthony, has spoken about it, I'm sure, about, you know, behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Can you not perceive it? So what is this new thing? And can we perceive it? Are we in the right place and the right shape? I've been in lots of conversations over this pandemic season about reset, the resetting of the church. But I want to let you know something that I really have a conviction about. When you talk about resetting the church, it's really important to understand that reset doesn't mean replace. You've got to understand that if you reset something, you're not just replacing everything. I don't know if you've ever uh, had this when your phone gets stuck or your screen gets stuck on your PC or on your iPad or whatever device you have. And then you have to do a reset. Sometimes you'll even phone up the IT gurus. and (laughs) The first thing they'll tell you is turn it on and off, right? All of their expertise is like turn it on and off. And when you turn it on and off, it resets things. But the thing is this, when you reset something, the reset doesn't replace everything on your device. What it does is that it removes things that were causing a blockage or a hindrance to the operation of everything on your device. So there are things that happen, you know, in in the background of our technological devices that sometimes get get sludgy, they get clogged up, they, you know, whatever it is that happens, there's, there's a blockage and the reset removes the blockage. So the question is this, what things in our churches pre-corona, BC, before corona, it's given it a new connotation, what things are there from before corona came on the scene that need to go and what things need to stay? See, I've heard, I've heard people say we don't need church anymore. Well, church is Jesus' idea. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay, but what does that look like? Does it look like the, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, look inside, there's the people. Is it just a box that people come to once a week? No, that's the parking garage method. That some churches got distracted, I believe, and, and there was a, a big thing about it that, that church was something that you come to. You come to to be safe. You come to to park up. That's what I call the parking garage method. But I believe that God wants us to have not a parking garage as a church. It's not just a place we come to once a week to tick a box so that then we can go away and do what we want. But it should be more like a petrol garage. When you come in, you get filled up for the journey that God wants to take you on outside for the rest of the week. And what things that we can look at, things that we can remove maybe, things that God wants to reset, that can unblock. What methods does He want to change so that we can better fulfil His mission? And the mission stays the same. And it is to go and make disciples of people everywhere, from every generation, 
because the great commission of Matthew 28 is not just geographical, go everywhere. It's also, he says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. So it's generational. We need to be reaching people everywhere at all times, whenever we can, to see the mission take place. So I believe that it's really important that we can understand some concepts from the Old Testament, from looking at this, these, these people, the sons of Issachar, that we can apply right now in our context. When we look at 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we see a record of David's great army and it was assembled at Hebron, if you read through the story. And we see that there were thousands and thousands of, of, of warriors that came from every tribe. It details 6,800 from Judah, 7,100 from Simeon. The tribe of Zebulun is recorded to have 50,000 warriors who were expert in the weapons of war and who could keep ranks. You know, the reason why I've said that is because God is concerned with numbers. We, we know how many got saved on the day of Pentecost, right? Because numbers speak of names that are entered into the book of life. So we shouldn't be getting weird about numbers. Numbers are okay in their context. But watch this. It also reminds me when I read this that there are different distinctions between different groups. And that's okay. In our context today, we see different churches with different distinctives. Some churches are known for doing certain things. Some are great at worship. Some are great at prayer. Some are known as, like Victory Outreach, a lot of people know us as, as the, the people that go and reach, hard to reach people. Whatever the distinctive is, it's okay. That I don't believe there's any church can do everything. That's why we need each other. That's why we're all part of this, this one big church in Manchester, this one big corporate global church that, that follows Jesus Christ. And everyone has a different distinctive and that's okay. It's all right to do that. The Bible talks about tribes and it talks about this stuff for a reason, I believe. We, we, we see in Revelation when Jesus speaks to seven different churches that all had different distinctives. Some of our dispensational-minded uh, brothers and sisters, they like to, to, to try and tell us that it's, it's to do with seven ages of the church, and that, that may well be. But I like to look at it that there were seven types of church in, in existence at the time John was writing, and there are still that same complete group of churches that are alive and well today that have different distinctives. The persecuted church, the, you know, the, 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 the funky church, the, you know, different types of churches, but they had different distinctives and that's all right. So what is your distinctive? What does God want you to do? How does he want you to play your part in what it is that he's doing right now and going forward? These things are important. There's also not just a need for these different distinctives, but there's a need for warriors. Warriors are people that say, you know what, I'm going to step up and I'm going to fight for what is right. And we need that today. We need people that are going to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to fight for what is right. I'm going to fight for the kingdom of God. Not, not with the weapons of the world, not carnal weapons, but the spiritual weapons that God has given us. So we see all of these things and then we see from within that list out of the thousands of different warriors, we see that there's a small number of leaders, small number of people that have a, a specific task and calling from Issachar to understand and determine the times and seasons. Now that was chronological, but also I believe it was spiritual. They understood the political 
things that they needed to understand, the social, economic things that they needed to understand. And these types of leaders are the ones that carry strategy within them. Not everyone's going to be doing this, but we have to understand that there are some people that carry the strategy and we need to be able to listen to them so that we know what it, it is that we need to do. They were innovators. You know, there's a big difference between invention and innovation. Invention starts things up from nowhere, from nothing. Innovators look at what is there and say, how can we improve it? What needs to be improved? What can we make, make different so that it will become better? And I believe that there are voices and minds and hearts right now that have this strategy inside them, those innovators. These were the GPS, what I call the GPS holders, the sat-nav holders. You know, the, the sat-nav, the GPS, wonderful device. Before it was all maps in a car and, you know, people giving us directions. I'm from London, so if you wanted to go anywhere, you'd ask directions and they'd tell you, you know, via pubs. It'd be, Go to the Crooked Dog and turn left and go down to the Prince of Wales and turn right and, you know, all of that stuff. And it was always confusing. But now with a GPS, you can just, you, you just put it in and bang, you're there, right? But GPS does three things. It's very important. First of all, it locks in your location. When it locks in your location, this speaks of position, your position. Then, and also your identity, knowing where you're at. You know, so where are you right now? Who, are, who do you belong to? Where are you? Where are you in your life? And it's important that it locks in your location because if it doesn't lock in your location, then you can't do the second thing, which is enter a destination. See, when you enter a destination, it's a goal, it's a target, it's somewhere that you want to reach. But you can only do that if it locks in your location. Someone called me once, they said, Pastor Paul, can I come to your house? I said, of course. This was obviously in one of the times when people were allowed in your house, in one of the previous unlocked bits of our, you know, lives. Just, just as a disclaimer. But uh, I said, of course. He said, he said, can you give me directions? I said, oh, yeah, sure. I said, where are you? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, turn left. I don't know. If you don't know where you are, I can't give you directions. So it's very important we understand where we're at. But then when you enter the destination, it's very important you understand where it is you want to go. So then when you've entered the destination, that's when it begins to give you instructions. That's when you start taking the steps. And I believe that life works like this. God works like this. So these men from Issachar, they were the GPS holders. They knew where they were at. They knew where they needed to go. And then the instructions were able to be filtered out so that people could make it. So what can we learn from these sons of Issachar real quick? Numbers chapter two, if you want to go back, and read this at a later date, we see that in the time of Moses, God set out the camp of the Israelites in the shape of a cross. Did you know that? From, from ground level, you wouldn't have been able to see it. But from a different perspective, if you have a look at how it was set out, it was actually set out like the, in the shape of a cross with the tabernacle in the center. And then when the children of Israel were about to move, God would send them out in a particular order. First would go Judah. Then there would come Issachar, then Zebulun in that order. And this is how God shows us how he works his plans out for our progress. And we see that Issachar was always at the front of every move of God. You always need this. In there, this, this strategy, this discernment, these voices. 
But watch how, it, watch how it happens. There's three key areas that I believe it's really important that we understand. First of all, there was the tribe of Judah. They went first. This was the apostolic warring tribe. We think of them as the praise and worship leaders, but they were more than that. They were a leadership tribe. They were the ones that got up and they led the way. They knew where it is that, wanted, that, that needed to go. They were the ones that forged ahead. They were the ones that understood the power of the praise and the presence of the living God. And they always moved first. And the thing, the importance of that is this, that we need this in, in essence today because when ministries get overmanaged, all of a sudden they shrink because we, we need managers. We need people that are administrators. But if, that, if they're the ones that are leading the game, we have to be very careful because they're not really risk takers. But how many of you know, you need to take some risks. Joshua took a risk when he stepped in the Jordan. Moses took a risk at the Red Sea. David took a risk when he faced Goliath, etc., etc. Peter took a risk when he preached on the day of Pentecost. We need these apostolic leaders to have that vision that wants to take us forward. Are you with me? But then comes the tribe of Issachar. They came next. And the tribe of Issachar were the wise and discerning ones. I'm a visionary. Pastor Anthony is a visionary. We're the ones that see where we need to be going. And then we want to push on. But we really need the Issachars around us. We need, we need the wise and discerning ones that say, well, have you thought about this? And what about that? And I believe that. And they're the ones that come and bring confirmation. They're the ones that come and bring that discernment. And we need discernment. I believe in prophecy. But I believe in discerned prophecy. I believe in discernment. I believe in testing prophecy according to the Word of God. It's not just a free-for-all. So these came next. They were the ones that could understand what changes were necessary and when. Sometimes change is, is, change is always necessary, but there's a timing for the right sort of change. And these weren't yes men. They were fearless, innovative leaders who were sharp enough to take advantage of the opportunities that God was giving His people. And how many of you know, God is giving us opportunities right now. He's given us opportunities to change, to shift, to change some methods that kept us back from fulfilling His mission. Not just corporately, but also individually. You know, there are things that you've had time to think about, things that you've had time to change and reshape, but have you done it? And if you haven't, don't worry, because you've still got some time right now today to be able to make some shifts because how many of you know, in a year from now, you'd have wished you'd have started today. So they, they came next. They understood the big picture and they added value to the movement of God's people. But then came Zebulun. This was the wealth and finance tribe. Check it out. Read, read through it. And the thing is this. Provision for the journey, for the supply for, for victory is necessary. There's only so much you can do with a little. But when you have this back in you, when you have then the resource, and I mean, if you know, our resource is in time. People giving time is in talent. We've got people with so many skills, man, that can really be helpful in seeing the move of God go forward. But also is treasure. Time, your talent, your treasure. Money is important. We live in a world that runs on money. And so these things were important. But you notice that these things always worked together. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. 
And that means that there's always a place for every single person within a church, within a church corporation, congregation, wherever it is. There's always a place for someone to fit in and add value and make a difference. And you'll notice that Zebulun had the most men. And this is because this is where most people can make a tremendous difference. Not everyone is going to be the apostolic kind of leader. Not everyone is going to be that Issachar with the wisdom and discernment. But everyone can give their time, their talent and their treasure. And that is what helps us to continue to go forward and press in. And all of these things, the leadership direction, the application of team discernment, the wisdom and encourage to invest in the right people and the right places are important for where it is that God wants to take us as His church in these coming times. All of these things are being hit left, right and centre by, by the enemies of God. But we need to make sure that we hold on to these things tight, that we understand that God has a place for every single one of us. Wherever it is you're right, you are right now, God has a place for you to fit in to the coming move of God. And we have to move. We can't stay still. I believe that God is bringing new moments to people's lives. You know, everything starts in a moment with God, with the Holy Spirit. And then it becomes a movement as more people start to see the same thing and perceive the same new thing that God's doing and receive the same Spirit. And then from that movement, then the, the, we, we start to make monuments, don't we? We put little monuments where we remember these are our values. This is what we believe and, and distinctives arise. And that's okay. But I believe in the last season that we were in, Lots of churches became museums and people would just go there to look at all of the things that used to happen. Oh, I remember back in the 90s when there was a move of God. Oh, I remember in the noughties when there was a move of God. Yeah, but we're now in the 20s. That's the problem. It's not like going and looking at dinosaurs in the British Museum because the next thing that comes after your church becoming a museum is that it becomes a morgue. Nothing lives there. Nothing good happens anymore. That's why we need to continue to change. There's a saying, it says, learn to shake change by the hand before change grips you by the throat. The thing is, things are changing anyway, but will we be part of the right change? Will we change the right things? I believe that God's given us an opportunity today. I believe there's a prophetic thing that's, been, that's taking place in this season. This pandemic, the word Pan comes from the Greek word all and demos comes from a Greek word that signifies people. So a pandemic means all the people. And I believe that, that God wants to have a pandemic of his own. I don't believe God, you know, sent the pandemic, caused the pandemic. He allowed it. But I believe that God wants to send a different pandemic. A pandemic of revival, a pandemic that begins with prayer. A pandemic that goes throughout people's lives in their acts of service. We've had epidemics in the past, haven't we? An epidemic is a localised version. We've had little breakouts in different churches and different cities, you know, in different places from time to time. But I really want, don't you want to see God moving everywhere? Don't you want to hear that over here in Victory Outreach, they're seeing a move of God and here in Ivy, they're seeing a move of God and in this church, they're seeing a move of God and in this place, they're seeing a move of God and it's all happening. I really want to see that. And I believe that God can do it. You remember that prayer that we all prayed at the beginning of pandemic, Second Chronicles chapter seven? 
Verse 13 through 15, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. You remember that? Why has it taken a year? And we're still not seeing it. You know why I believe? Because I don't believe that as many people as necessary have actually humbled themselves, pressed into God and turned from their wicked ways yet. I think that people are trying to go back to normal. People can't wait for, what is it, June the 21st before everything goes back to normal. But the problem is that the normal we had was the problem. That's why God wants to change it. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to create a new sense of purpose, a new momentum in our lives. That's what the reset is all about. And it's going to spread as people, God's people take ownership to God's plan and then really practically go into their communities, go out into their neighbourhoods, go to their families and just shine and just love. And just know God is real. And just give the truth and live the truth. And then when we do that, all of a sudden it's viral, right? It spreads. Our Christian R number needs to go above one. It needs to start to increase as we reach out to other people with what it is that we've been reached with. The love of God, the truth of Jesus Christ that sets people free. That's the reset. And I really believe right now that that's how true revivals take hold of people's hearts. It's not, it's not going to be when a big time evangelist comes. It's going to be when every single one of us takes ownership for what it is that God has placed within our lives and we go out and we just share it. And then it spreads. And it goes from one person to two people to four to 16 to 64 and it multiplies. Then we see true multiplication of the gospel message. You know, once upon a time, today was the future. Were you ready for it? Is it the one you wanted? Here we are. What do you want to do right now that's going to change the next step? I believe that some of you, you need to make Jesus your saviour and your Lord. I believe that you can do it today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I remember when I got saved in 1995 on a Wednesday night outside my friend's gym. I was a heroin addict. I was a drug dealer. I was a criminal. I had no hope. But that was the day of salvation for me. And it was a friend, not a preacher. It wasn't a pastor. It was a friend who had had an experience with Christ who told me about his experience. And you know what he said? I, I, I poo-pooed it. I said, God don't want me. I'm too bad to be saved. Some of you say the same thing. There's others of you might say you're too good to be saved. There are two extremes of the same thing. It's called pride. I said, I'm too bad. He said, he said what have you got to lose? And it struck me. I'm like, what have I got to lose? 
If this Jesus is who you say he is and he's done, he can do to me what he's done to you, then what have I got to lose? And I prayed in my car on a sweaty Wednesday night in July 1995. You know all I did? I just gave Jesus all my wrongs. And in return, he gave me all his rights. I was forgiven and I felt it. I didn't know what was going on, but I felt something. I knew something had changed. Within a small matter of time, my addiction was broken. Never been back to drugs since, 25 years. Never. 10 years of heroin addiction, broken by the power of the living God. Now, I'm the husband of a beautiful wife, the father of beautiful children, pastor of an amazing church. I'm free. I'm an author. Studied at academic level. I've traveled the world and spoken to politicians and police chiefs and millionaires and business people and homeless drug addicts. What an awesome journey. That could be yours today. You just got to believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do. So that's what you can do. You can pray. There's a, the Bible is just very clear. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God rose Him from the dead, then you shall be saved. You don't have to jump through all sorts of hoops. That gets you in the door. It's a narrow door, but it gets you in. Then the journey begins. Believe. You've got to believe before you behave. So you can pray today. We're going to pray in a minute. But before we do, there's those of you that are already Christians. There's those of you that are already part of the church. You are the church. And you say, you know what? I need to reset some stuff. Well, I want to encourage you that press that button today. Make a decision. Step in and let God take you on that journey to get to the destination that He wants you to get to. Every one of you is valuable. Every one of you is needed in rank with your brothers and your sisters. So can we pray right now? Right where you're at, whatever it is that you're doing, just take a moment. Leave the kettle boiling. And just... Take a posture. Maybe you can kneel. Maybe you can stand. Maybe you can lift up your hands. Or maybe you just want to just continue to listen. I want to pray for you right now because I believe this is a moment. And if you take advantage of this moment, there's going to be a movement that begins. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for everyone first. Holy Spirit, I want to pray, God, that in every house, in every home, in every heart right now, that you would be touching, you'd be moving, you'd be loving, you'd be holding. Because there is no distance that separates us from you. Hear every prayer and respond in Jesus' name. You know, if you want to give Jesus your life anew or afresh, just say, 
Just say to Him, Lord Jesus, speak it out. Confess with your mouth. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died for me, but you rose again also for me. And that in you I can be forgiven and I can be made new. Be my Lord, be my Saviour, be my best friend. Fill me with your spirit and your life so that I can follow you forever. Thank you, Lord. The rest of you, just take a moment, just lift up your hands and just begin to worship. Just begin to pray. I believe God is resetting some stuff. He's resetting things for Ivy. He's been resetting stuff in my church. He's been resetting stuff in my heart. I'm different now than I was coming into this pandemic a year ago. I'm a changed man. I see things different. I understand things different. I want to get to a place that God wants me to be at, not just the one that other people would expect me to be at or the one that I found myself just stumbling into. There's more purpose now. There's more meaning. There's more direction. You can have that as well. Some of you are already in it. Begin to reach out your hands. Begin to pray and intercede for your brothers and your sisters right now because I believe that God wants to start a new movement in Ivy Manchester. There's a new movement going forward. There's a movement that's going to see you spread out. It's going to see you go out into this city and beyond as light and as salt, as people that represent the living God. And just make sure that in everything you do, that you live in a way that gives Jesus a reward for His sacrifice. Come on, just praise God and worship Him and pray right now. Take a few moments. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.